0: by the educated classes, the Times and the Daily Telegraph, where it was stated that preference will be given to widows and daughters of officers of Her Majesty's services. By the following year, the ladies had been chosen and the Army Nursing Service was born. Only women from the right background were considered and applicants were regularly rejected because of what was deemed unsatisfactory social status. What might seem to us mere snobbery was justified by Mrs Jane Diebel, the first superintendent of Netley and the widow of a doctor, in terms of imposing discipline. To her, a military nurse had to be a class of woman entirely superior to that of the wardmaster and the sergeants, because she must be a terror to the wrongdoer. When a sister comes in, it must be, oh, here is sister. She should be the shadow of the medical officer and she shall be superior to all the female relations of the patients if she is to have proper influence. In 1897, with trouble already brewing in South Africa, Queen Victoria's third daughter, Princess Christian, started the army nursing reserve. When two years later the Boer War broke out, a hundred nurses from the reserve went over to nurse the huge numbers of casualties, many of whom were victims of disease. They were joined by a contingent of nurses from the London Hospital. Their dispatch had been organised by Princess Christian's sister in law, Alexandra, Princess of Wales, wife of Queen Victoria's eldest son, the future King Edward VII, an enlightened woman who had already shown a keen interest in the advancement of nurses. Conditions in South Africa were taxing in the extreme. Wearing floor skimming Victorian dresses over the customary whalebone stays, The nurses lived in tents and worked round the clock in temperatures of 103 degrees Fahrenheit, 30 degrees centigrade. If female nurses still needed to prove themselves to the military medical establishment, this is where the breakthrough came. Sir Frederick Treves, a highly respected army surgeon who was commanding a field hospital, was deeply impressed by the four nurses who worked with him.
1: They seemed oblivious to fatigue, to hunger, or to any need for sleep. Considering that the heat was intense, that the thirst which attended it was distressing and incessant, that water was scarce, and that the work in hand was heavy and trying, it was wonderful that they came out of it so little the worse in the end. Their ministrations to the wounded were invaluable and beyond all praise. They did a service during those distressful days which none but nurses could have rendered— and they set to all an example of unselfishness, self-sacrifice, and indefatigable devotion to duty. They brought to many of the wounded and the dying that comfort which men are little able to evolve, or are uncouth in bestowing, and which belongs especially to the tender, undefined, and undeniable ministrations of women.
0: Acceptance that women made superior nurses to orderlies, was finally made explicit in a royal commission set up to assess the care of the wounded during the South Africa campaign. Noting that the soldiers seemed to prefer to be attended by nurses rather than by orderlies, it stated that nurses would appear to be far better than orderlies and their general employment in fixed hospitals ought to be now generally recognised by the authorities and be provided for in future wars. The only area of nursing from which women were to be excluded was venereal disease. Before the Boer War ended, it was decided to reorganize the army nursing and medical services. In the heyday of the Raj, there were 39 nurses, nine nursing sisters, and four superintendents working in India under the banner of the Indian Nursing Service, many of them relatives of officers based there. January 1901, had seen the coronation of a new king and queen, and it was decided to amalgamate the British and Indian Army nursing services and ask the new queen to be its president. Queen Alexandra's Imperial Military Nursing Service had arrived. The new corps needed a badge, which the queen designed herself. A Danish princess, she chose an emblem deriving from her country's medieval past. The White Cross is from the ancient order of Danibroog. And the Q.A. motto, Sub Cruce Candida, under the White Cross, is also the motto of the order. By the end of the first decade of the new century, members of the fledgling force were working in Africa, Canada, Gibraltar, Jamaica, India, and Hong Kong. Five years later, the Queen Alexandra's were plunged into. The